You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the Skate Podcast. Talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some bees talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Woo! Welcome into episode 276 of the Skate Podcast. I am Brian DeFelice, joined as always by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. The Bruins fell to the Seattle Kraken 4 to 1 at the Garden. So, yet again, another loss out of the All-Star break. The record's not wonderful, but maybe Scott will get into a little bit later the difference between some of these losses, and we're certainly going to give our takes on last night's game and the last week of hockey and going forward. But it's also going to be discussed this Sunday. Scott, Bridget, you want to mention once again? Yeah, yeah. so so Sunday is our first episode of Sunday Skate. Actually, we bumped into Razor last night in the – locker room and we were we were just talking about being excited for that um the dream team get get the game production meeting production meeting in the bruins <laughs> yeah we spoke to david Pasternak, and then we were like okay skate pod uh i'm not skate pod, sunday skate um pot pasta had some great ideas for uh oh yeah the the, the 940 segment <laughs> too bad we couldn't get him on like you know live for for something but we will have like some of the some of the stuff we talk about with them after the games and, and audio from that, as well as, you know, our takes on it. But I wanted to bring it up before we started talking about uh, the cracking game, because uh, if you guys are, you know, listening to us on a daily basis and you are sending us um, emails or, you know, mailbag questions on Twitter or comments on YouTube, um, even on days that we're not having mailbags, this is a good opportunity to, to call us on Sunday and ask us then so we get to it quicker i mean uh we'll we'll be taking phone calls every uh sunday morning so uh just an idea for if you're listening to this it's gonna be pretty much a similar crew we will get brian from the car um (laughs) you better call in the first show oh i'll be calling in and and i guess probably worth mentioning uh you know how to listen because i think uh you know our, our audience has grown so there might be people who don't don't usually listen to WEI or whatever, but we are on 93.7 FM on the air. You can listen on WEI.com. There's a big listen live button on the Odyssey app. So live on all those, and we will be posting it at, in podcast form after uh, both 
here on the skate pod channel and on uh on wei's on demand channels yes so pretty much we'll be getting like an extra episode a week now yeah so yeah so that's february 18th and that goes until the end of the season so we'll definitely be listening to to sunday skate and as far as the skate podcast um bridget scott why don't we get into the opening shifts and scott why don't we start with you yeah my opening shift is that People have to learn how to differentiate between bad losses and good losses. I, I, I get it. It's sports. You know, technically there's no such thing as a as a good loss or a moral victory or whatever. But over the course of an 82-game season, there's losses where you play the right way and your process is good and there's something to build on and you just don't get the result. And I think these last two Bruins games have been those kinds of losses. They have controlled play against both Tampa and Seattle. They dominated a long stretch of those games. Obviously, they didn't play perfect because they did end up losing, and we'll get into, you know, some of the things that did go wrong because there is some stuff to clean up for sure. But if you play the way that the Bruins played against Tampa and Seattle, you are going to win far more games than you lose. I get that it's tempting for people to look at their records since the All-Star break and say 1-3-1, and one, four losses in five games. That's awful. What's gone wrong? Are they falling apart? The Calgary and Washington losses were, were awful. Those were embarrassing, straight-up notions. Tampa and Seattle losses, they have played better. Honestly, like, I'm not worried after these last two games. In fact, I'm even encouraged because they are at least playing the right way, and you can see them building and creating chances and getting offensive zone time. Like it's, if you play that way, you will be fine. And I think the Bruins for their part need to remember that and, you know, not get away from it now, not get too frustrated because they haven't gotten the results. Um, But it's, it's a little amazing to me, the number of fans I've seen, um, especially on social media acting like the sky's falling. Um, and it, if you had that reaction after Saturday's loss to Washington, I get it because that was that kind of game. I don't get it. If you watched these last two games, like I think you can separate the result from the process and the way that they actually played. I think it's just been a sentiment though, because like at the end of that, the loss to the Kraken, people were booing again. And it wasn't like they played a bad game, but there were boos again at the very end. of And and I, that's the thing I can't explain. And you guys so, were. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But what I was actually encouraged, because remember that, that episode after the Washington game, I said, like, I think most fans can tell the difference between, you know, not having the effort and having the effort. It was encouraging last night that when some fans who I would say were not very intelligent, started to boo. There was a counter cheer that almost like drowned it out. So that was at least like encouraging to to hear. But at the end of the game, those people, the, the optimists had left apparently because I heard a pretty strong boo at uh, the end. I, I still heard them. Like I, now, now some of them also might've been the, uh, the Hingham and North Andover natives cheering veneers and in Decord. I don't um, think so. Because they that those fans had plenty to cheer for, and there were there were a lot of them in the building. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, those we we know 
it's split because of that though. Like we know that there are still some people that it has to be a win. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, if they had a good effort, if they outshot the opponent, if they outchanced them or high danger, if the lines look like they were meshing, um, but they lost. I mean, think about the, the one goal that comes to mind, like, obviously this was not anyone's fault. Like Brendan Carlos falls. And then the, there's a three on one the other way. And that's really hard to defend. And it's really hard to try to stop as a goalie. Um, so like, could you stop that? Yes. But are you in a horrible position? Like, and is it completely accidental? Also? Yes. Um, and Pasternak scores first and it just felt like that game was going to go Boston's way. And it felt like, okay, they're going to tie it. I think that that third goal though, you could kind of get the sense. All right. Uh, Two, we're not sure they're going to get two today, but they it felt like they were going to get one more. They didn't. Um, my first, my opening shift has to do with um, how well that top line played. And in the cracking game, it was DeBrusque, Zaka, Pasternak. And I wanted to bring it up right off the top because last episode we mentioned DeBrusque and Zaka maybe being a little bit down, DeBrusque being another slump. And I thought they both had great games. I thought Pasternak really elevated those two. You kind of know you have to play at your best to be next to pasta. Like you, you can't just bring a half-ass effort because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to take away from his ability to score. And you know that a huge um, part of the team's offense relies on him. So, you know, you have to bring it when you're on that line. And I thought they did. Um, it, I thought they had probably the best chances of, of any of the lines. And it was nice to see them bounce back. And, and they did have the goal. Bridget, I'm glad you bring this up uh, off the top because um, Jake DeBrusque last night had how many points? Zero. Zero. Okay, zero. I thought he played phenomenal. I, I thought that earlier in the year, he wasn't scoring. And recently he's been in a slump too, but earlier in the year, he wasn't, he wasn't producing. And people kept telling me that he was playing really well. He was just snake bitten. And I, I just straight up and I I'm entitled to this opinion. I just didn't agree. Like I, I didn't agree. I, I, I visually was watching him and I, and I saw a player who was like, he wasn't terrible, but he was just, he was a guy out there. Um, and I, and at the time I, I, I said, if Jake DeBrusque was for checking his ass off and back checking his ass off and, you know, getting his nose in there every shift, I would never, ever criticize him for not scoring because you can tell that the effort is there. And I just think that there was a, I thought there was a fine line between how he performed last night in a, in a productionless game versus how he performed earlier in the year during um, production list games. I, and, and I, and, and Scott, I, I, I know that, um, and I'm not saying that this is you, but you did, you were oftentimes talking about how he was playing well without scoring, but, I just feel like yes, there may have been underlying analytics that backed that up in earlier in the season, but last night And he, he did say them. <laughs> he did. Oh he, oh he did. He did. But but what you couldn't say during those games was that night like he was I thought Jake DeBrusque was I thought he was their best forward last night. He every shift it's so obvious when he's playing when he's playing to his capability, even if he's not scoring, because I think he's one of the fa- I think he's the fastest player on the Bruins. And I think he's one of the fast he's I think he's a top end skater in the league straight straight away speed. So 
when he's playing like he was last night, winning races to lose pucks in dirty areas on four checks, like, like it jumps off the page. And if he was doing that a lot earlier this year, I, I'm not blind. Like it would have jumped off the page then too. Um, but in any event, I thought he played great. And I thought that, yeah, I thought that line played really well um, as a unit additionally. Yeah. And it's, it's encouraging to see him have a game really I mean, I would say two games like this because I thought he played really well against Tampa too. Um, I know we talked about that a little in the last podcast. But for him to play like this when he has been in a point slump because I, I think what happened I, – I did see good games from him early in the year, qu- quite a few of them. I, I think what happened at times – well. I agreed with you. Um, I yeah. think it was us two versus Brian in that. Well, just, just to well, clarify though, like games as dominant as he was last night – I don't think no. so. Like last no. night was a different breed. Not yeah, all I mean, of I, them. I think, but... I think he had some of those, but I think what happened early in the year is like he put together good efforts. The goals still weren't coming. And then you'd see it start to fade and go in and out. And then he'd have, you know, two rough games in a row and all of a sudden everyone's on him. And this stretch, you know, he's now at what, seven games without a point. So you would think, you know, DeBrusque, perhaps in years past, you get to five games without a point, maybe your whole game falls apart and, like, you can't get it back. And and it takes him, you know, he needs some sort of reset to get that jump back in his game and start building the right way again. He was, he's been able to do that these last two games, in my mind, without any sort of, like, reset or break or, you know, benching or or – something to like jolt him. He's just been able to do this on his own to just like find that and getting put on a line with Pasenak last night, I think does help for sure. Um, but yeah, I think like the team as a whole, if he plays this way, eventually the points are going to come. I mean, they, you know, Vasilevsky played great Tuesday against them. Joey Decord has been one of the best goals in the NHL for over two months now. Uh, his save percentage since, like the start of December is second only to Connor Hellebuck in the NHL guys. And I added him. He was in my fantasy hockey league. And oh, who's who told you to add him? <laughs> Scott. I was like, all right, I need, I need a new goalie. And, and I like looked and I, I hadn't checked and there was like three good goalies available. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I was like, Scott, who should I add? And that's, that was his idea. Yeah, so someone pay me to do fantasy hockey analysis because I'm I'm pretty good <laughs> at it. But anyways, um, uh, yeah. And then I was looking up like statistics. So on you know like natural stat check, you can look up goals saved above expected by game. Last night was statistically Joe Decord's best game of the season. Yeah, but like if you're the also Bruins, three like, of those hit the post, so you're yeah, welcome. True. <laughs> yeah, That's I think- why that number was so high. I think clearly last night was a matter of, you know, misfortune for the Bruins. Um, you know, and people listening to the podcast uh, for a long time might think I have some sort of personal vendetta against uh, Hampus Lindholm and Jake DeBrusque. Certainly not the case. I like DeBrusque as a person, and I think I think he's a really good player when he's on. I, I think last night, like, honestly, may have been his best game of the season. I mean, there were, like, Brandon Tanev is a player who, if you go into the corner with him, like, you know, like, you know you're going to – being a one-on-one battle he works his ass off and there was one play last night where DeBrusque just and Tanev is very fast um and DeBrusque just 
literally outskated them to the corner, full on, both of them in a full on sprint. Like one of those plays where they're both going to the boards and might not end well. And I don't know, man, he was just playing with the conviction and, 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 and he was a man possessed last night. And, and I've been watching, I've been watching hockey my whole life. And I feel like if I saw that game in and game out in the earlier in the season, I, I would have noticed it more. Um, maybe not. Maybe I was, my head was in the sand because I just wanted something to be true, but I like I like to give players credit when they play hard, and I I just thought he played great. So um, hopefully that means that you know obviously the, like we said earlier this year the production still has to be there. But um, again, I'm I'm focused on the spring for this team. Now, granted, they did I do think they fell behind in in the in the division last night for the first time in over 100 days to the second place, but they're well, still comfortable yeah. in the playoff positioning. Yeah, but the, them and the Panthers both have 74 points, but technically, yeah, the Panthers jumped them. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so my opening shift, Bridget, you don't have to put the banner back up. It's okay. Um, <laughs> like I pulled it down because uh, we were already 15 minutes and I'm like, I don't think these are opening shifts anymore. <laughs> we went on a whole tangent about Jake DeBrusque. So, uh, anyway, go so, ahead, Brian. But it actually is related. To it's, rela- it's, it's related. And uh, last week, I believe it was, Bridget was the recipient of a, a beautiful flower and card on the ninth floor for, for women in sports recognition. And um, one, one, uh, one woman who has just exploded onto the scene in the last, I would say maybe year and a half, two years. Um, and, and really kind of appears to be like a true NHL insider and is, seems to be a pioneer, uh, for women in that, in that regard is Emily Kaplan over at ESPN. And I, I came across a video of hers for ESPN last night, talking about specifically the Bruins and their trade deadline approach and certain targets that they could they could go after um, the spark notes from her video was that the Bruins will look to add. Um, they aren't going to be too aggressive because straight up, they don't have any salary cap space and they don't have any, you know, uh, draft picks that they would, would feel comfortable parting with that they do have in the cupboard. And um, she also mentioned that they're shifting their focus from center to wing and names. She mentioned were Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, Anthony DeClaire in San Jose, potentially David Perron, which I found interesting because Detroit's in a playoff push of their own and Perron's a leader on that team and a point producer. Um, she mentioned that Steve Eiserman likes to um, optimize value for players. So maybe he thinks that Detroit can still make the playoffs moving on from Perron. I don't know. And she mentioned for the Bruins like that Lena Solmar could be somebody that they would have to get blown away in a, in a, in a no-brainer type deal to move. They've been trying to shop Grizzik for a couple of years. She reported he's still on the table um, because eventually the Bruins are going to have to move out salary cap if they want to bring somebody in. And because they don't feel comfortable moving uh, draft picks, something's going to have to give. Um, Jake DeBrusque was a name she mentioned that's polarizing. He's up for a contract. Do they keep him as their own rental? Do they try to trade him for, in, a, in a hockey trade? Um, and she mentioned Jacob Lauko as a potential player of interest for teams around the league as, uh, in, a, in a package. Could Jacob Lauko um alone get you a third round pick i don't know maybe but those are some names she mentioned so bridget scott it's not really an opening shift hot take i guess my question to you guys and my question to the audience is um do do you agree with the bruins approach to shift their focus to wing um in a non-aggressive manner what do you think their approach should be and what do you think of those names she mentioned this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. 
And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's interesting. On on Perron, too, like one thing Eisenman's done, I think he did this last year and even back in Tampa, is like he'll do a little bit of the sell here, buy there, like a little bit of a hybrid approach that the for Boston fans, the Red Sox have also done at times and it has not gone well for them. I think Eisenman's had a little more success with it. So like I could see, I could definitely see him sell Perron because he's a pending free agent and he's probably not part of their long-term plans and then turn around and like trade for someone with term who's, you know, a roughly comparable player. Um, yeah. It, it, it all, it all makes sense to me. Like what, what she's reporting, I, you know, Bruins are still, even with this recent slide tied for the second best record in the NHL, obviously they're in it. They, they're going for it. They think they're a contender. Um, and when you think that you you're Don Sweeney, even with limited assets, you have to be looking at ways to add to your team and improve it and, and optimize this season. Even if you can't go all in like you did last year, which I don't think any of us expect them to. Um, but yeah, so whether that's middle six forward, third liner depth up front on the blue line, like, they're not going to be able to do all of it, but I'd be surprised if they don't add to at least one of those areas. Um, and she's right. Like the, the center market does seem to be kind of insane right now. When you're talking about the prices that Elias Lindholm and Sean Monahan already went for, when you have Frank Valley saying he thinks the capitals are going to get a first round pick for Nick Dowd, like, I wouldn't blame any general manager for saying screw that and taking a look at wing options instead. What was the Horvat deal last year? I feel like he was some, like he was a it, guy. It was, sim- it was similar to the Lindholm deal. It was like uh, first another pick, a top prospect and an NHL roster player. Well, who do you think is better? Uh, I would rather have Horvat. Yeah, me too. That's like, I, I feel like there were more, high, like he was a higher quality center option last year than I've heard are like available this time around. Um, at least from like the, the trade rumors that we've heard so far, like his name would still have been higher to me than those other guys. But I guess that's probably just a random tangent. Um, it's, and it's to say, I'm not entirely impressed with the center market for what you'd have to give up. I could see why they'd want to stay away from, from that position. And you probably can get a better deal, um, at wing and especially if it's more of a depth bottom six um, winger but you want to know what my that go off of that like my one of the main things I was thinking when you were mentioning that was well the Lauko piece of it 
Um, mm. Like to, to tie Lauco to a trade package and like, I, cause I don't see them like one offing, like they just want to get a third round pick back. Cause like Lauco, despite him not having a whole lot of offensive upside, there's very few gritty players on this team. And you could at least say Lauco brings that if you need it. And that might be something that sets the tone in the playoffs. If you have a conversation with him, like, Hey, on a night where we're down by two, we might need you to go out there and, you know, mess with someone just provide energy and I think he could be more valuable than a third round pick in, in a playoff run so that part of it uh, mm. was it was interesting to me because I just feel like that's maybe a stretch I don't know I don't know like maybe we see it happen as part of a package but there's yeah. no reason to, to we're talking already about how we're not sure how the bottom six will shake out and Lauco has been playing on the third line <laughs> like he didn't play yesterday but um I feel like he's a piece that they at least want to have for the yeah performance. yeah and and that's and she when she mentioned him I think she did mention him with the intention of a package um being part of a, of a package um and you know I was surprised too because she, you know she's hearing this from somewhere which means that teams around the league to your point Bridget they value those little intangibles that Luka would bring to a playoff series and a playoff run, which is energy. And, 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 um, and so if, if, if other playoff teams want that, shouldn't the Bruins want that right now? Again, obviously the question is if you're parting him, if you're parting from him with, you know, a Grizzly or something like that, you would imagine that there's something of, of uh, value worth it coming back. But yeah, I found his name to be mentioned interesting maybe it's why he's been getting third line looks to to to, to show other teams around the league he could be you know he'd be a third line or hint hint wink wink i don't i'm not sure would for but then, he, but then he got then he got healthy scratch two games yeah <laughs> yeah that that definitely hurts that theory no doubt about it scotty <laughs> yeah he did um but also like think about it this way though so say we're, we're talking about pat maroon and he's on an expiring contract right yeah is Lauco? Mm. uh we'll have to pull that up but like Say, because Lauko's younger, obviously. Maroon is at the tail end of his career. Lauko has one more year after this. So he, he's not a true rental. And, and then it's still a restricted free agent. So there's so like there's I, several years of team control. I could see a situation where Minnesota would be like, even if Maroon has better like upside this season, they don't really care because he's like, they're not going deep in the playoffs. Like they're they're not worried about that right now. And he's essentially a rental for them uh, already. So I could see them wanting to add someone younger, like a younger version almost of like a fourth liner that that can be gritty. But like now you might have him for a little bit longer and um, he's not super expensive and you might you have team control for a little bit longer. Like, could you see like a one for one on a guy that's like an older rental bottom six forward for a younger like Lauka like a younger bottom six forward that isn't a, a rental like they can actually keep as part of a piece for the future yeah that like something like that intrigues me and if if it came to that like I would make that trade I would trade Lauka one for one for Maroon I think that that veteran presence I still think Maroon has more offensive game than, than Lauka has shown so far so um that would make sense. Uh, you know, you might even have to throw in a late round pick or something, but yeah, that that's where like I could be okay with parting with Lauko is if you're bringing in someone else who's, you know, more of a veteran, more established than him, who's probably going to play over him. 
it kind of makes him expendable. And, and again, I get he could be part of your future, but in a, all things considered, like a fairly limited role. Like I, there was a time where I thought maybe he might have had third line upside. I I don't see that right now. You know, maybe maybe he makes a jump in an off season at some point, but we really haven't seen that at the NHL level from him yet. Um, so I'm not going to overvalue fourth liners like that. No. That gets teams in trouble. So if if part part if a team is interested in Lauko and it helps get me something, it helps upgrade my bottom six then sure and and yeah and and if if that trade ever happened you would have a big faction of Bruins fans that would look at Pat Maroon's foot speed and Jacob Loco's foot speed and they they would just instantaneously just be like what are, what are they doing they're trying to get faster it's like okay time out hold up for a second number one I don't care how fast Loco's feet move he can't handle the puck in, in fact, maybe they move too fast for his hands because he has he makes no he makes no plays out there with the puck. I haven't seen Loco make more than five good passes all year. Um, you know, seems to really have have trouble stick handling when he's you're really that selling them on Minnesota, Brian. You're really selling them to the <laughs> and to those to those who want to you know dog on Maroon. Say what you want. The guy's got three cups. Um, at one point in his career, you know, he was on a line with a young McDavid. Not saying he was keeping up with, well with McDavid, but you know if you're on a line with McDavid, you, you, you got to move your feet a little bit. Um, like I guess what I'm saying is like knows how to play with good players if he needs to, um, and and yeah, like just brings that leadership and that and that that toughness and that score again. Don't, don't forget, Loco has like what four, five, six points in the season. Like Mar- Maroon's capable of doing more than that. Like there's that's objectively, I mean the guy the guy can score at the NHL level at a certain clip that's better than Loco for sure. Um, so, he would be, that would be interesting for his career. Like, say he won another Stanley Cup with Boston or, like, another – like, say he gets traded to the Stanley Cup winner. Like, he, you will have to put him in the conversation for, like, very – Greatest of all time. Oh, he, Not greatest of all time, but, like, he's definitely, <laughs> like, part of those, like, random conversations about, like, I remember when this guy won with all these different teams and and yeah. like he was a, he was a fourth liner but he would he, he'd have as many cups as Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> he would and that is why he would like cement himself even if people forgot who he was like years down the line you know it would be next to it would be you'd be looking through the record book you'd be like oh yeah Pat Maroon won all those <laughs> but um to it if he got brought into Boston yeah you're right some of the fans just don't like him already. I mean, I can so, already see. Yeah, I can. I can see all the analytic, all the analytics darlings looking at looking at it and being like, "What are they doing? Maroon, Maroon, you know, he skates in mud. He sucks. Maroon sucks. Get him a pizza." It's like, all right, well, he can he can, he can, he can, eat, he can eat that pizza with three rings in his finger. All right, right calm, calm down, Jack. <laughs> exactly. No, but it's it's true. It's like I. It, it amazes me. It's like, you know, getting to the National Hockey League is. I mean, you're talking tens of that. How many? people have put in the NHL like like all time like t- the, the well, amount of people I don't know but I saw a stat today that Yager has played with like 39 percent of them <laughs> that's crazy well yeah. there was there was a stretch until like the last year or two where it, it was something like it was like 30 something straight cup winners had at least one player who was teammates with Yarmir Yager at some point like it was <laughs> like an crazy. unreal streak yeah, I, I just, um, you know, just to, just to tie it back around, like 
for everybody who it's 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 you know pretty popular on here to to, to shit on Maroon, but it's like look, um, the Lightning thought he was good enough to be on their fourth line for two Cup wins, and the Blues thought he was good enough to be on their team. And 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 as Bruins fans know, in 2011, there wasn't one Bruin who didn't carry their weight on that roster. It takes a whole team to win, and he was very much a part of the bottom six identity of three championship teams. And you can't take that away from the player. And um, Ryan, thank you for your Tomas Caberlet appreciation. Oh, listen, Tomas, Tomas Caballet. He he was he, he was he was more solid than people. He was. Well, yeah. Well, guess what? There were very few times that I I would have booed the Bruins, but I would boo him. I will. Like, I will. I, like, <laughs> I don't understand. Here's the thing about Tomas. I, I'm pretty sure the reason Bruins fans may not have liked him was because, like, he was supposed to be like their quarter their their PP one quarterback and. Right. They had a, that was they, the worst they, part of the team. It was the worst part of the team. Um, but as I just said, it takes a team to win a cup, and he played a role. He played it. He Adam McQuaid was not an established third third deeper guy. He was a rookie. Like Caballet probably helped him a lot, and I think McQuaid would probably be the first I to think say maybe that. Maybe they maybe they did it in 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 spite of Caballet. <laughs> he had like eleven assists that. Person. Yeah, he 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 moved the puck like it was it was it, you needed that guy. Um, I didn't like but, him, but. It, and it, well, you know, you know what's funny? Like, I feel like he was the team punching bag because, like, three or four years ago during during COVID, the Bruins had that like Zoom watch of the 2011 Game Seven, and like you could just tell the guys were all giving it to him. I'm pretty sure Capley like signed out of the Zoom because he was getting harassed <laughs> like halfway through. Tom, but, I just like this. Like, Tomas Caberlet was tied for second on the team in assists that postseason. Yeah, he was. <laughs> that, that's so funny to me. Like, yeah, it just but, doesn't uh, feel like that. Yeah, no, I, 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 I had, I thought he was totally. I thought he was exactly what that that third D pair needed. I mean, you had McQuaid's size and toughness, and you know, defensive ability, and then you had Cavalier, just kind of the veteran moving the puck. I mean, McQuaid was never the best transition player. So, um, but in any event, speaking of that 2011 team, guys, um, 2011, 2019, uh, 2013, all three cup runs. Neither one of those cup runs was there. You know, I mean, Yager in 13, I suppose, but um, none of those cup runs had a, you know, all-in approach, right? They had a, let's complement the team that has gotten us to this point. Um, you know, 2011, you, you, I mean, Blake Wheeler ended up being a really good player in the National Hockey League and a captain, and they traded him away at the deadline um, for Rich Peverly and, and, and Chris Kelly. Um, those two players helped, you know, fill, fill in the third line the way that, that that team needed them to. Um, and, now, and now the Bruins coaching staff. And now the coaching staff. Uh, Cavalier came in, obviously. Um, Thirteen no, no. was Yager. No, I know, no, no, no. I know, I know, I know, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Uh, twenty. He's not a coach as far as I know. <laughs> 20, 20, 20, No, no. Yeah, I know. Chris Kelly is. Yeah. Um, twenty thirteen, they bring in Yager. Yes. Uh, Nineteen, they bring in Coyle and Johansson. As opposed to last year, they bring in Orloff and Bertuzzi and Hathaway, like very much all in. Didn't pay dividends. So. Long, long way of me of, of me saying like, maybe it's like yeah, just have a have a deadline where, like you just complement what you have that's gotten you to this point so far. Now I do think this year is tough for the Bruins. They don't have much to offer. It's like, I have a, when I, when I think of the Bruins deadline approach, if the Bruins were the only team in the league, I think they'd have a tough time. Like if they're one of two teams in the league, they'd have a tough time pitching to the other team something worth giving them in a trade. You add to the fact that like. Other team, other contenders will also be bidding for said players. I do fear that the Bruins, like, do the Bruins have anything that any other team doesn't? Like, every team has middle round picks. Every team has 
NHL roster players that they could probably part with. Does that worry you guys that the Bruins don't have anything better than other teams that will be looking for um, the same players the Bruins are? Yeah, well, I mean, if you're aiming for like a higher in the lineup impact player, it almost certainly is going to have to cost you one of your top prospects. So whether that's Mason Lorai, Fabian Lysel, or Matt Patra, like that that's what could, could separate you. It's to your point, like it's not the picks. Other teams have more picks than they do. More uh, cap space. The, the roster players that the Bruins might be willing to move are pending free agents, which aren't really going to interest, certainly not like a rebuilding team. Um, you know, why would they, like as much as we sit here and talk about, you know, could they move out to Brusk, Grizzlick, Forber? Because from the Bruins' perspective, those are your pending free agents. And it's like, well, can you get something for them? Can you upgrade whatever? It's like, okay, where are you sending them? Are, are you sending them to some other contender and then doing like a second deal with a non-contender? Like how, how exactly is that working? Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's why like, I don't personally, I don't think they're going to land a high impact player. I think it's going to be more along the lines of, of depth, you know, third liner, bottom six, um, maybe a third pairing defense, like third pairing defenseman, something like that. I mean, the names Unless that, they move DeBrusque. I mean, DeBrusque, I mean, Allmark is, Allmark's the name that Emily Kaplan mentioned. She said the Bruins would have to part with, uh, they'd have to be blown away to do that. But it's like, again, if you're talking, that's really the only, that, that's the one area where the Bruins, there's two areas where the Bruins, I think have a surplus where like, to this point about what do they have that the rest of the league doesn't. And I know it flies in the face of the, of the goalie tandem combination. Um, but objectively the two areas where the Bruins have an abundance of wealth is left side D and goaltending. Now, if you're, whether or not you're willing to part with any of those positions, that's totally up to an individual to decide or have an opinion on. And I'm not here to uh, persuade somebody to get rid of a goaltender or, or Grizz, like I'm just saying objectively, those are their two areas of strength right now, I would say, um, where they have an advantage over the field if they were to get in a bidding war. Whether you want to part with those pieces, that's up to anybody to decide. Um, but and like, like depth and defense and, and the goaltending do is also what gives them more value, like right. to themselves, like I, I, yeah. their own playoff run. That that's why that's why it's a double-edged sword. I'm just saying, like, when you don't have any cap space and you don't have any picks, and you don't have, like, like again, every other team has those things. I'm just saying those are the two things you do have. And, yes, if you part with them, you're, you're subtracting your part of your strength. And the idea is you're subtracting part of your strength to, you know, balance out some of your deficiencies. And that's why it's kind of a polarizing conversation. I mean, the names that Emily Kaplan mentions, Anthony DeClaire, Vladimir Tarasenko, David Perron, like – I don't know how the Bruins are getting any of those guys. Like San Jose is going to want, I mean, Duclair is one of their best players in San Jose. Um, like they're going to want to get optimize him if they get, if they part with them. Um, I, I don't see how they get even those guys uh, without giving up something of, of, of su- sufficient value. And that's why like to your point, Bridget, a hundred percent, you get rid of all Mark, your goaltending situation is lesser than it is now. Yep. hundred percent. You get rid of Grizzly, your left side depth is not what it is now. Um, that's, you gotta, you have to give to get. The question is, do Bruins fans and does Bruins management do they feel that 
that potential swing and, and, and um, ability to balance out a, a, a weakness with uh, by giving up a, some strength is worth it. And I think that's why it's an interesting discussion. Yeah, and, and we know Don Sweeney has nightmares over losing defensemen in the playoffs. Like he has gone out of his way to add as much depth on defense as possible the last couple of years. So to suddenly like trade away from that and leave yourself thinner on the back end would really fly in the face of what we've seen from Sweeney the last couple of years. So I don't think that happens unless you're turning around and adding a defenseman. Um, and, and again, I also just still wonder like what value do Grizzly and, and Forbert even have on the open market right now, unless it's to another contender that maybe like Tampa, I'm sure is definitely Tampa is definitely looking for a defenseman right now because they lost Mikhail Sergachev for the season. And right now they're dressing like three NHL defensemen and three Jags. Like that they, they definitely need an upgrade. They, they could probably use a Grizzly like a, you know, there's, I think there's room in that blue line for one defenseman who's not 6'2 or taller. Um, but are you going to trade Matt Grizzly in the division to a team you might face in the first or second round? Maybe, like, if you don't think, if you don't value him and you don't think it's going to come back to hurt you. But boy, would that, that would suck if uh, you lose to Tampa and, you know, Grizzly has a really solid series well, against you. Well, who, who, who's, Tampa, who's Tampa giving Boston to a team that they might potentially play in the first round if that trade happens? I don't know. That, the, the, this that, is the that, problem. Like, <laughs> that, no, I know that, like, Tampa never. Tampa doesn't have any depth to to trade away. Tampa would want to trade pick prospect, whatever. Like they're not trading off their, their active. That's what, yeah. That's why I'm saying like it's that, that trade, those trade partners wouldn't be that, but that's why I'm saying if you're going to, if you're going to say like, would the Bruins want to give Grizz like to it's like Tampa would have to, I'm I'm, I'm sure that somebody would come the other way too. Right. So it'd be kind of a wash. Like they'd be playing that risk too. Like they'd be giving Boston somebody potentially because Boston, I don't think would just trade Grizzly for nothing or like picks. Like they want somebody back. Um, do you think yeah. we could see, do you think we could see something similar to, was it, it wasn't two years. No. How many years ago was it that DeBrus signed his extension? Three? Two. That was two years ago. Two? Um, so do you think we could see a similar thing happen? Like his name is coming up at the trade deadline and then, their move is to to like extend him rather than you know what I mean like because that news came out of nowhere that time but it wouldn't surprise me as much this time if for whatever reason like the timing worked out where they're like all right are you gonna stay do you have any intention of staying with us okay well then let's just sign now um I I think DeBrusque would would like for that to happen I think he'd much prefer to get a deal done now he he said he he reiterated to us just a couple weeks ago that you know, he doesn't really want to test free agency. He wants to stay in Boston. I know people don't believe him because two and a half years ago, he requested a trade. A lot has changed since then. Like he, he's been very clear that he wants to stay here and he wants to get and an extension done. I'm sure his question agent... is whether, whether the Bruins want to commit to him and how far apart are they on money and years mm-hmm. and all that. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I could see it happening. Um, I, I know like I'm still, I'm not in the trade DeBrus camp unless you're getting a clear upgrade. Like, like one name that now I don't think they're selling because they've gotten hot, but the St. Louis Blues for a while looked like a team that might sell. And one of the names that popped up is a player I love, Pavel Buchnevich. 
if you told me you were trading, whether it's all in the same deal or two separate deals, like you were trading DeBrusque away and getting Pavel Buchnevich, I'd be like, cool, great. Like, I, I think Buchnevich is an upgrade. Sign me up. Outside of that, like, I'm not trading DeBrusque and then bringing in some, you know, bringing in David Perron, who's like a downgrade or, you know, at the very least a wash. Like, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, and and you know if if DeBrusque you might be able to get at in terms of a contract uh a good deal compared to what you thought you were going to if you signed it earlier in the season or you know if you signed it in the off season uh prior to this season. So, like I feel like it's got to be at least uh tempting to to see that his I mean unfortunately his value has gone down in terms of being inconsistent, but it helps. It might help his case to stay because um, his number. Well, depending on how low the Bruins are, are trying to to bring that number down to, like he he might not. He's not really in a position to be thinking about try, like trying the market. And I mean, he can obviously. Everybody that's a free agent, and he he might be able to get more money outside of Boston. But if he values being here, in agents hate when a player goes on the record and is like. I want to stay here. They're like, no, you, you have to at least pretend like, but with DeBrusque, it makes sense. He doesn't want to get, he already knows that the fan base is kind of turned on him at different times. So you kind of have to be like, no, I want to be in Boston. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Scott, what were you just looking up? You were definitely looking something up. I was typing something into our private chat. If you, if oh, great. Oh no. Oh, our, no. Our, our, our private chat that, that will now go public. And, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think that um, look, I I think right now, I think I think the Bruins have some answers internally. I, I I'm not expecting anything major at the trade deadline. I don't think they should because you know personally, I I despite their record, I still have some some doubts about this team, like about going all in on this team, and I don't think they have the assets to do it anyway. So I think they should. I think they have a player in Mason Lorai who, whenever he's healthy, they should call his ass back up to Boston. Um, and I think that you go out and you get maybe like a Jacob Middleton type player on defense. I think you trim up your fourth, your bottom six. I think you, you know, I think Steen's out of the lineup at some point. I, I would have a fourth line of Beecher, Heinen, and insert, you know, trade deadline upgrade, Pat Maroon or something like that. Have a third line of Geeky, Frederick, give Lysel a look and just, you know, roll with what you have. Try to give people some looks. Um, but uh, yeah, so bigger picture. The Bruins are on a bit of a losing streak right now, post All Star break. Um, what's 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 the concern level, Scott, with you right now? It, 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 clearly, I know they've been playing better the last couple of games, but are there are there big picture issues you're seeing that you are concerned about despite the better efforts the last couple of nights? Well, tying into my my lead, like my concern level has gone down in these last two losses because I think they've played much better hockey, and so just because the results aren't there doesn't mean like, um, for me, it usually when a, a losing streak goes from one to two to three, your concern level would go up for me. It's actually gone the opposite way right now. Like I, I think they're playing better. I think if they played this way, they will pull themselves out of it. Um, there are some concerns there. The penalty kill continues to struggle. And on Seattle's first goal last night, they Lindholm and Frederick just get caught both of them get caught flat footed at the line and Jordan Eberly, by the way, another potential uh, 
trade deadline target to throw out there pending free agent. Uh, blows right by them with speed and ends up in all alone on Swayman. Um, didn't think that was Swayman's best moment either. He didn't know where the puck went after making the first save, but shouldn't have come down. Shouldn't have been a one-on-one in the first place. Um, so penalty kill, they got to straighten out. Uh, and then some of the, you know, some of the decisions that lead to admin and rushes. I mean, look, Carlo falling, it's a freak play. Like, I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. The final Seattle goal, like the backbreaker that makes it three to one. Poor decision by Parker Weatherspoon. He just tees up a slapper right into a guy standing five feet in front of him. That's almost, that's a really easy recipe for an odd man rush the other way. Um, Maybe that's frustration because they're getting chances. They have offensive zone time. They can't break through. And so you think I'm just going to tee it up and shoot it through someone. Physics doesn't really work that way. Nope. That's not how that works. Uh, I mean, yeah. So what's, uh, you know, what, what what's the best deep here to have Hampus Lindholm on? I mean, that, that, that first goal, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a bad, it's a bad read by Lindholm. Furthermore, it's like on the broadcast, they talked about how Lindholm thought Frederick may have had it. Like, I mean, Lindholm, like literally just watched it happen. Um, would you rather see him with McAvoy or would you rather see him with Carlo? Carlo, I think. Yeah, I, I, think, I think him and Carlo work really well together. Yeah, yep. I think so, too. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking like the the best group of six I could see back there for, for Boston. Like, realistically, I would I would like to see McAvoy and Lori and then Lindholm and Carlo and then, you know, Middleton and Watherspoon or I don't know. Hopefully you can get somebody like that, but. I don't know. That, that in which just... case you have discluded Grizzly, Forbert, and Shattenkirk in that. Well, no. Who, who did I say? No, maybe Shattenkirk with with uh, with Middleton. I don't know. Have a rotation. I'll figure it out. But the top four, I like to see Laura with McAvoy and Lindholm and Carlo. But uh, that that play, like, I just didn't – look, misreads happen. Um, to sit there and watch uh, – who, who was it for uh, uh, the opponent that, 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 that took that in? Um, it – Eberly's the one who got behind. Eberly, yeah. So, I mean, he got behind him, and then he just, like, watched him. Like, he had, like, an extra whack at it. It's like, Lindholm, what are you doing? Like, seriously. Like, we I, got there. We're, we got – we came around it, to it can at I, some can, point. can I ask you guys a question, though? Can I ask you guys a question? Is it me? Like, is it me? I, I think I think you have some some bias there, but <laughs> – you On that play, I have you, bias? No, 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 not on that one. That was a bad. No, I, but of, listen, of everything to bring up I, from that game, that would not have been my one of my well, first it's a big, ones. It's a big play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Bruins are up one nothing, and now it's a tie game. It's like, a big play. No, I can't not mention that. Brian's right on this one. And even I'm usually a Hampus home defender. I even tweeted last night, like, even outside of that, it was a rough start. He, um, I forget who it was, but he let someone get behind. Oh, it's Bjorkstrand. He like get behind him on a stretch pass, and then he tries to like line him up for a big hit instead of playing contain, and completely whiffs. Uh, that ends up being a good chance. Like I, I did think he recovered and got better as the game went on, and you saw him uh, activating the offensive zone quite a few times and help create some good chances. And I think Camus Lindholm has been playing pretty well for for a while now, so I'm not going to get on him oh. too much. But that was a rough. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not even talking about his previous games. Like, I think he's been fine too. Like, I mean, but 
that play, it's a big play. I mean, <laughs> there's no other way to put it. I'm not going to pat him on the back for, you know, last week's games when I'm looking at what happened last night. It's, it's, I'm, we're talking about one game last night. Um, and, you know, like when they first brought him over, his first game as a Bruin against Tampa, I don't know if you guys remember that, but it was like, holy shit, this guy's amazing. Like, he's so good. I just want, I just, I just wonder where that guy went. I wonder where the guy from last regular season went. I mean, that's an unfair statement. That that was a low blow. I'm sorry, Hampus. Um, you haven't been like brutal. He's he he's he's been he's been good. He hasn't been great, and I think he's a great hockey player when he's playing his best. But that play, that play, I can't excuse that. Like it's a miss. If you misread, you get your ass back out of out of guilt and desperation. You don't just sit there and glide back with a with a pizza cut. Like you're like, what are you doing? Well, and I, I thought I thought Billy Jaffe and Barry Peterson had pretty good commentary on it and on the penalty kills struggles in general where it just seems like it's a lot right now. It's a lot of guys like getting caught in between and being a little unsure of like, should I attack here or, or fall back? Do, do I have him or do you have him? Am I going to that area? Or are you going to that area? And it's like, for whatever reason, the communication and the fast decision-making that you need on a penalty kill just isn't there right now. And like, that's, it's been such a strength of theirs for so long that like, it's, it's odd to see. And you know, Hey, listen, Joe Sacco gets a ton of praise when the penalty kill is at 90%. So like, you got to give him some blame. Now I think he is a very good coach and I think they'll get it figured out, but right now it's, it, it doesn't, doesn't look like the Bruins penalty kill we're used to. All right. Well, 60 seconds or less. Who's up? Who's down for me? Hampus Lindholm is up. And uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, look, they, they, they've had a, They've had a tough couple of games in the win loss column um, since the all-star break. Are there any notable quick ups downs for you guys? I mean, maybe just, maybe just let's just go with a couple of ups because you know, you can probably make a list of guys who might be down, but you know, who, despite, despite the win loss record since the all-star break, who, who's battling through it? Who's I think Charlie McAvoy had a great game last night too. I thought, yeah. I thought he, be a difference maker. I thought Jake DeBrusque had a great game last night. Um, anybody else for you guys? Pavel Zak has been coming alive, as you mentioned, Scott, last episode a little bit. Played well last night, too. Yeah, Pasenak scores the only goal. He had, I think, 14 shot attempts, and you know he's still putting up points. So that that's an easy one we could default to almost every week, but I think he, he remains up even Yeah, though. we don't usually. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah tack it on at the end. Oh, yeah, and Pasenak got <laughs> Yeah, he's he's our he's our he's our wild card if we ever just don't have any options. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paso's up. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll throw out Trent Frederick is still being a little bit down. He remains stuck in a like like DeBrus stuck in a, a pointless slump. Um, and whereas DeBrusque has now had a couple of really good games, especially Thursday night. I think you're still kind of waiting to see Frederick get back to making the kind of impact he was before the All Star break. I think uh, I thought Richard like again he's he's giving it an honest effort um, since his call up. I just don't think he's you know the difference maker that anybody really expects at all. But he, I mean he he's trying, um, and but you know Boquist and Steen again until those guys do something like yeah I'm good I'm all set. I mean not to be mean but like I'm all set with Steen <laughs> and, I, and I can you know I, I could probably try to rhyme a couple of the words. I don't think he's lean. Um, oh Jesus. You know, I think we should end it here. Makes my before, face before he starts to rap about Oscar Steen. I think we need to finish this off. All right. All right. <laughs> well, before we sign off, guys, so um, 
Hope everybody has a great weekend. It'll be a better weekend if on Sunday morning they tune into Sunday Skate at mm-hmm. what time? 9 a.m. 9 a.m. on WEI. 2.11. Who's, mm-hmm. do- who's bringing the donuts? Scott, you're going to have to you know watch your back because don't forget, Bridget still has a bit of a vengeance against you. You kind of chirped her earlier in the week. You better, you know, sleep with one eye open, I think. I Yeah, and I, I hope you know that I, I have a very long memory for things like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bridget, you are the best. Um, I will never get on your bad side. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Scott, Thank good you. luck to you. And uh, I'll be listening. Brian in the car will be calling in, I'm sure. And uh, to our listeners, have a wonderful weekend. And we'll talk to you on Monday. Hey, guys, thanks for watching the Skate Podcast. If you want to see more of our videos, visit our playlist. Not in front of a screen? You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on social media. And if you enjoyed this video, please don't forget to give us a thumbs up, subscribe to our channel, and leave a comment.